welcome to the Heart of Dating podcast. Hey, it's Kate. I'm so glad you could join us this week as we try to entangle the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian. Over here on Heart of Dating, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to approach Christian dating. Oh, and you better believe we have some laughs along the way, because last time I checked, the struggle is hashtag real. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. What's up, you guys? It's Kate. And JJ. And we are here in season 10, and we have a fun episode today. Man, we're getting into it. I know, and if you guys are watching on YouTube, you might notice a little bit of a change of scenery. We have a new setup. It's pretty sick, I'm not going to lie. We are still getting used to it, but I love it. Like, I'm pumped to like continue to use this setup, and it looks good. I think the problem now is it looks so good that people actually expect us to be really awesome. And yeah. so we've kind of pigeonholed ourselves. When we had a janky setup and it was a little bit more casual, I think there was a little bit more grace and room for error. Right. Now we've kind of put ourselves in a our corner. Right. Now we're like, the, the we set the bar higher and higher. I know. People see the setup and they're like, okay, well... We have to take them very seriously. Yeah. So, I don't know. We might have to strip it down a little bit. No, babe. Okay. I love it. I'm excited. Um, we just moved, as you guys know. We what, The room that was supposed to be the master room, we actually transformed to be my office, our guest room, and our podcast studio. So, it's three things in one. And I love this room. You want to tell them how that happened? Yeah, it was actually JJ's idea. <laughs> I know. And at first I was like, no, why would we make the master bedroom that? Like, that should be our room. And JJ's like, well, think about it. Like, we're not going to really spend that much time in that room. And it's big. And we don't really need all that space just to sleep. I know. <laughs> and I was like, if oh. You, well, if you guys think true. about it, I all this always just made me so, I don't know, not frustrated. But if you think about your bedroom, for the most part, especially if you have a smaller one and you don't work in it, you don't spend very much time in your bedroom. So it's kind of crazy that we spend all this time and money on, don't even get me started on like master bathrooms <laughs> and how nice they are. Because if you think about how much time you spend in your bathroom a day. Um, well, for the female, I think that's a little different. Uh huh. I'm not gonna lie to you. But I, the, I could definitely use a great master and bath. And the name of efficiency, I'm like big master room and master bath. Like you really don't spend that much time in it. That's true, babe. So I'm really proud of you because our little inside joke between Kate and I is that she says no a lot. And so it meant the world to me. No, I don't. (laughs) That she gave this a chance. And here we are. Here we are. Well, we're so excited, you guys. This season has been incredible. And if you're not following along also on Instagram, you got to get on the gram at Kate Ness, Heart of Dating, and at JJ Tomlin because we're also talking about so many things like on the pod, not only on the podcast, but also on Instagram. So check out the gram. Okay. The episode today is actually coming from some topics we were addressing on the gram. And if you're, if you are on the gram, what I see a lot of people is go check out the Facebook group. We're at 13,000 people, singles, lots of introductions, lots lots of of people meeting, mingling. I know. And lots of great conversations. So 
We never plug the Facebook group either. Yeah, but yeah, you guys should go to the Facebook group. You can go to facebook.com forward slash heart of dating. Uh-huh. There you go. Let's go. Okay, guys, one more thing. Hey, we want to keep growing this podcast and specifically this series. We really want more and more people to hear what we are talking about because we believe it's not as commonly talked about, especially for singles. So first of all, will you do us a favor and share your favorite episode from the series so far with a friend Um, or maybe two friends or three friends? You know, it's the way podcasts can get discovered is first of all, by you guys sharing it. And then the second way it can get discovered is if you have never given us a ranking or a review on iTunes, would you be able to do that? Would you do that for us? Because it actually would really bless us. You can let us know what you think about the podcast overall or specifically this season. You know, this actually does help us to get discovered. So we appreciate you guys in advance. All right, guys. So today we're talking about lust and modesty. Woo, woo, woo. Now I posted on Instagram a post and I basically it said, hot take, all men struggle with lust. So women need to cover up. And I'm glad that some of you guys didn't just unfollow me when I posted that. Cause I think some of you were like, oh man, she like really, really means that. Um, And I really think that's kind of harmful. No, the post is actually debunking that idea of all men struggle with lust, so women need to cover up. And I want to just explain a few things that I said in that post, and we're going to kind of break it down, right, babe? Yeah, babe. (laughs) So basically what we're talking about here and what I talked about in this post is there is a common narrative, okay, that is often taught to girls when they are young ages that they need to do things to help prevent boys from lusting. This happens and it starts at an early age, usually in that youth group time frame, where girls are ultimately encouraged to hide their bodies, to cover up their bodies so that they don't cause their fellow brother to stumble. Our favorite like little phrase, don't cause your brother to stumble, right? And you know what this teaching really does is it really presents women or makes women the sexual gatekeepers for men. And it's not that people are saying, hey, women, you are the sexual gatekeepers, but the teaching is saying you are the sexual gatekeepers. Yeah, I just want to pause. I think on the surface, if you just kind of took it and made a one-on-one statement like girls, you have a lot of power dress appropriately so you don't cause your brother in Christ to stumble. At face value, it makes sense and you could see the objective, but when you just pause and you think about it and you start to unpack it and you realize it's actually giving women a role, a shared responsibility as a sexual gatekeeper for the men, Yeah. Then you start to see the problem with it. Because what it's doing by positioning it that way, it's saying, women, your bodies are a problem for men. It's saying, hey, your body as is, a body that you can't control if you have curves or if you have boobs or if you have a bigger backside, like this body that you often can't control and genetically you're either curvier or maybe you're not, this body that you've been given is a temptation to men, is a problem for men, is bad to men. And that's what is internalized for the girls who end up hearing that message. Right. Well, I mean, you think about subtly what it says in between lines is the men are not getting that same message. Right. So it's not, hey, all humans struggle with lust. And one of the things we can do as brothers and sisters 
is to just dress appropriately and wisely. Yeah. It's specifically, you know, I don't think you'll find a man who argues against this. We're not really giving this talk like, hey, guys, watch the tank tops. Watch how tight your pants are. Like women struggle with lust. Like you got to help them out. You've never right? hear that teaching. <laughs> right. And <laughs> and so what that does is two things. One, it, it gives women that gatekeeper role. Yeah. And two, it kind of just confirms that narrative and idea that really the majority of men, they struggle with lust and women don't. And so women, you got to help them out because Bye. you're just wired differently. Yeah. And so And there's so many problems with even just what you just said. Exactly. Right? Yeah, and but so, that's like what But is that's taught. when you start to unpack it. Okay, why is this not being taught to the other side? What is this actually saying about men? What's this saying about women and the role that they have in this sexual conversation? Yeah. So basically when when you say like, hey girls, you need to cover up because your fellow brothers in Christ, they are going to lust. They are wired differently. They're more sexually driven. And guess what? Just by looking at you, they're gonna lust. So you gotta make sure that you are covered up entirely. What it's internally saying in a way to women or to girls, because this is often taught to girls, is the man is gonna look at you and instead of seeing you as the person that you are, he's going to first see physical body parts. That's what he's going to see first. He's going to see physical body parts over you as a person. And because he, it is more intrinsically wired in his brain without being able to control it, he is going to instinct, instinctively, instantly have sexual thoughts about you. And this basically says to girls, instead of seeing you for the whole person that you are, I can't Guys can't help but see you as an object of sexual gratification, especially if you dress in a certain way. Now, I really believe, and we both agree, that this narrative is dehumanizing to both parties, to women and to men, actually. This isn't just me sitting here saying like, oh man, this is so bad for women. I mean, it is, but it also is unfortunate for men because... It says to men, you have an animalistic, uncontrollable desire, and you really can't control that. You are just wired to be this like this lion that wants to ravage a woman's body at all times, and you really can't control it. And that actually, and I'm going to be severe here, but that narrative and that thought actually contributes to rape culture. Because if men are taught, hey, you have this animalistic desire, you can't control themselves. If they're in a setting when they can't control themselves, there's something in the back of their mind that's like, well, this is just how I'm wired. And not that it excuses it, it shouldn't ever excuse it, but it will, it encourages in a way rape culture because it's like, hey, men, you're built this way. You're built to be like animalistic and have uncontrollable desires. So if something like that happens, God forbid, it's like the guys almost have this hall pass in a way. Now, I know that churches are not actually saying, hey, you guys, men have hall passes, right? Absolutely not. But we have to think of how the narrative that we're framing up and that has been framed up for so long actually can in turn create these ideas of seeds implanted in our minds and what that can actually do in the long term. And so for women, I believe as well, it's dehumanizing because women are so much more than just a collection of body parts. They're so much more than just a body and body parts that offer sexual gratification for men. And of course, like I just said, men are so much more than just an uncontrollable animalistic desire. 
Yeah, I completely agree. And I do think, you know, what happens sadly in this conversation and what happens in this kind of a, you know, accountability, this reckoning and clarifying of narrative is men feel beat up, mm. men feel shamed, men are like, hey, you're so much more like suck it up, blah, blah, blah. And I just think that's where we want to step in and say, men, like we have so much compassion and just think so much more of you than a sexual need that you can't satisfy. Yeah. Like we just think there's so much more freedom for you that's been purchased to not be a slave to sexual desire anymore. Yeah. And that's a big distinguishment there that men, you don't have a sexual need. You have a sexual desire yeah. and we're no longer slaves to those desires. Why? Because you have been purchased and bought mm -hmm. and you are a slave to Christ. Like the idea is this, we're all slaves to something we just get to choose what we bind our shackles <laughs> to. True, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's where with men, we just like with love and compassion, just say, hey, like we've been bought. It was an incredibly, incredibly, incredibly valuable um, purchase for you that was made. And that's where we want to bind ourselves to God's goodness here, to God's freedom here. Yeah. And we just think unequivocally, you should have that self-control that no matter what she might be wearing and vice versa, women, no matter what he might be wearing or revealing, we should have that self-control and that ability. That first glance is a first glance and we know that that's not sinful in itself, but it's what you do on that second glance. Right. Which is why we have to clarify what is lust. Right. Because First of all, it is true. Many men struggle with lust. It is true. It's not a, like a falsity. We're not saying like, oh, men, you don't struggle with lust. Like, cause we're not trying to add shame to the equation of like, if you, if you struggle with lust, man, that's, you don't have to, you're in a, you know, like we believe that you can conquer that and actually fight against it. But men do struggle with lust. And for clarity's sake, women also struggle with lust actually a lot. Yeah. And that that's often not really the focus of conversation, but there is a point of clarification, which you actually just kind of alluded to, babe, which is that seeing or recognizing or noticing that someone is a beautiful person or that they have attractive features, like that they're an attractive person, like looking at a painting and being like, that is beautiful, right? Looking at a person and being like, wow, they're beautiful is not the same as lusting. Looking at a person and, and noticing that that's a beautiful person is not lusting. Lusting happens when you begin to fantasize or linger in that sexual fantasy about someone that is not your spouse, and right? We, yeah, and we all know that in our heart. like. Right. And I think that's where Holy Spirit and that conscious and reminder of, I think is very, very clear. And we know it in our soul. Yeah. When those eyes linger, they go back for the double glance. Mm -hmm. You start looking at the curve, a tour of the body, and you start admiring. You kind of start going. And then from there, that's why, you know, when lust. And it's when you linger on it. It's like yeah. you keep thinking about it and then you picture them sexually in sexual ways. Right. Well, I think from there, it's kind of like a snowball. <laughs> it's like a snowball of thought 
to snowball of fantasy. It just gains a little bit more mo- momentum and steam. And that's, you know, that for me well, is... You start picturing them naked. Like, right. Yeah. And that's what you're feeding your heart. That feels good. That fantasy, that pleasure. It feels good. Mm. That's, that is the attractiveness of lust that just is insatiable in that moment. Right. Right. It's incredibly, you know, that thought process right there, which is so funny because JP has a great saying, your heart doesn't want what it wants. Your heart wants what you feed it. And yeah. so if you're fantasizing all day, if you're fantasizing about your girlfriend, your boyfriend, you're not arresting those thoughts. Mm. You're not disciplined. You're not letting yourself go there at nine o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night. And you've been struggling with your physical boundaries. That battle right there with lust and crossing the physical boundaries has already been lost. Yeah. That was lost at three o'clock that day at nine o'clock that morning. When you were lingering. When you were lingering for minutes and minutes and thinking that's where it's lost. Right. So, you know, I think there's an important clarification here too, because um, I can't even get into all of this, but I've heard, you know, gosh, there's a, that, you know, even young people these days, um, because there's such an influence right now of LGBTQ plus and really understanding our gender identity and all these things, there's a lot of younger people that are like, oh, well, and I, I know a friend of mine who has kids in high school and she was like, well, my daughter came to me and she was like, um, well, mom, I saw this girl and I think she's beautiful. Does that mean that I'm attracted to her? And does that mean that I might be a lesbian? And the mom was like, no, honey, just seeing that a person is attractive, even if they're the same gender as you, is not, does not mean that you are, you know, that you are sexually attracted and are have sexual want to have sexual relations with them. And so that is something where I'm like, yeah, I see beautiful women all the time. And I'm like, wow, that woman is really beautiful. Or, oh, that guy, he's attractive. But nothing about it for me is like, oh, I'm going to now linger in fantasy about, oh, taking off their clothes or because that does become lust. But me sitting there and saying, wow, that's a beautiful woman or that's an attractive man. Like being able to say that is very different. Noticing that that person. is. Yeah, I think that's just strictly observing. Um, I think, again, like what we clarified, it's, you know, the lust. Lust is all about how it serves and fulfills a desire in yourself. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with that other person at that point in time. But it's all about filling a selfish desire on your end. Right. You can never get enough of it. It feels good in the moment. And afterwards, you feel regret. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So we have a lot to cover. We're going to keep going. Uh-huh. Um, shifting the narrative. We'd like to shift this narrative because like most of these narratives, we believe there were good intentions, but they just were not said or done the right yeah, way. Yeah. Again, good intention. You know, we want to help not, you know, Again, we want to help our brothers not to stumble, okay? So therefore, we're going to assume this responsibility. Right. And Because men just can't help themselves. Yes. So instead of the narrative being men just can't help themselves, I think the narrative needs to shift to men who can't help themselves need to seek their own help. Men that are really struggling with lust, men that are really struggling with boundaries, men that are really struggling with pornography, they need to seek their own help. It's not, hey, women, you need to do these things. It's, hey, I'm going to first and foremost take ownership of a struggle that I am going through, something that is challenging for me, and I'm going to seek 
my own help. That, that the first and foremost, men, you need to prioritize taking your own ownership in the situation. This actually is a great relational rule just in general. In a relationship, this is often what we get backwards. We look to the other person. Oh, I'm having an issue in this. I have an issue with you in this relationship. Yeah. It's you. You need to change. You need to do something different. Instead of we need to first turn the mirror on ourselves. Oh, you know what? I need to probably look internally first and see what I can own in this situation versus just putting it all on my partner or the person that I'm with. So this is actually a great relational tool. Like, hey, if you're struggling with something, first How can you take ownership and seek your own accountability and help? Yeah, I think the question is, how can I take, this is a hard question, how can I take as much ownership as possible here? Right. Before I even talk about sharing this burden. Right. Which, and I think that there is totally room to share that burden, especially with the, if I'm a guy struggling with this, to share that burden with other men. Mm -hmm. Hey guys, I am really, really, and that. I think is instead of sharing it with a female partner and looking to women who have not volunteered for that role, find men in your life who care about you, who love you. And listen, if I if I have a good friend, a brother who I love, and he looks at me and says, I need help, not only one am I just admiring him and respecting him even more in that moment because of the strength, the courage, and the boldness it took, yeah. but two, you know I'm going to be all over him to help and love and support him. Mm. Like what, what more of an honor could I ever have in my friend's life to help share that burden. That's good, baby. Uh, and I think that's where we say, hey, men, you need to take ownership. It's take ownership amongst other men. Like yeah. find men to share that. And same thing vice versa with women. Like yeah. this is not a gender specific issue. Yeah, I think that's really good. Um, the other thing we really want to shift is, hey, women, you need to mitigate less for a man. No, I think that needs to shift to hey, women, you are a whole person. You are an incredible whole being. You are made in the image of God. And guess what? If a man struggles with lust, it is really his duty first and foremost to tap into the Holy Spirit within him and exercise the fruit of self-control. It is not for you to feel ashamed about the body parts that you have. It's not for you to feel ashamed that just by the body that God created, a man is going to look at you and struggle no, your body is good. You are good. God made all of you. And he said, all of you is a very good thing, including all of the body parts that he created. And so all of you is good and you are not an object. You are a whole person. And I think that's where I want to shift that conversation. Like women, we will talk about modesty and all that stuff. Women, your priority for dressing wisely is not to mitigate lust for a man. However, there is still a place to dress wisely, which we're going to get to in just a little bit. I'm super excited for that because yeah, because I'm not. We're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater here. You know, oh, that's a good. That's a good phrase. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's the same thing for men. Men, your, your body, yourself, your soul was created with perfection and intention and. God's design. He did not make you too sexually wired. Uh, It's not a bad thing about you that you need to shut down. It's a great thing that he intentionally designed. But I do think that there is a call to empower you Mm. to get help, to be a slave to Christ. You're no longer a slave to your sexual desire. Like There is a, a way for you to level up here 
and become the man that God desires you to be. Yeah. And so, you know, there is grace. With all of this, there needs to be grace because I do hear people that talk about this narrative and they just get so angry. They get so angry. And I understand that there's frustration. There's a lot of bad things that have happened because this these kinds of narratives have been perpetuated, right? One horrible reality is rape culture has been perpetuated or women blaming themselves for rape. And that has been my story. And so, you know, but there is grace for the guys. And there's, of course, grace for women. There's grace around, okay? Because boys do struggle and men do struggle with lust and they do need to get help for that. And we need to, instead of like telling them, hey, you need to tell women to cover up. We instead need to empower them. Like men, you do. You can embrace the fruit of the spirit of self-control. It is possible to do that. Like God has maybe wired you to be to have a really awesome sex drive and that's great and we celebrate that. And we also want to equip you to have self-control when you are not steward when you are not married and when you are not stewarding that sex drive towards your wife, right? And so we need to have self-control. And you are a powerful person when you partner with the Holy Spirit. It is such an incredible gift that we have the Holy Spirit because with the Holy Spirit, we can partner to get those fruits of the Spirit, one of them being self-control. And that is just such a beautiful and empowering thing. And can I be blunt? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Men listening, women listening, from this episode on and for the rest of your life, you are not going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Like you're going to say, that sounds good. I'm going to tackle this and you're going to fail. Yeah. And that's okay. I just want to let you know when you do fail, if you rely on anything other than God's grace Mm. to change and mold and transform yourself, you're going to continue to fail. Yeah. It's like me going out to the golf course and putting in 10,000s of hours of practice on a bad golf swing. Nothing is going to (laughs) change. Nothing is going to change. I'm just going to be practicing a bad habit for the rest of my life. Right. And I'm going to shoot the same horrible score. Something has to change fundamentally in our mind and our spirit, and we have to start with grace. If that is not our building block and our foundation to change, you're going to continue to fail because you're relying on your own strength. You're playing God and performing surgery on yourself, and you're going to land at the exact same spot that you were last night, last week, last month, last year. Yes. But thank God that we are no longer slaves to sin. Amen. Thank God. Hey guys, what's up? It's your girl, Kate, and I am sitting here with my glass of AG1, and I take this stuff every day, you guys. Let me tell you what's so funny. The other day, I Googled, I wanna take an awesome probiotic, what are some things I can take, and AG1 actually come up, came up, okay? Literally no joke. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I'm already taking this. I don't need another probiotic. Uh, this is why I love AG1 so much. It's so easy to take. You just mix a scoop in a cup of ice cold water, and it honestly tastes really good. Let me you it seriously does it tastes so good i know it doesn't look it if you're seeing me right now it's green but it's really 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 good it's super easy it's delivered to you every single month so it makes it really simple to make it a daily habit and you know i actually enjoy it which is why it's super fun to take if you're looking for an easier way to take supplements athletic greens is giving you a free one year supply of vitamin d and five free travel packs with your first purchase 
All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com forward slash HOD. That's athleticgreens.com forward slash HOD. Check it out. Some products are just not worth going for the cheap alternative. If you ever get nauseous, you know that you'll do whatever it takes to get that nauseous feeling out of your system. And I don't mean by using pills that make you drowsy or cheap sweatbands that you put on your arm and just what is really happening there, right? Is it just a placebo effect? I don't know. There's nothing worse than a product that says it's going to do something and then it actually doesn't do that said thing. When it comes to relieving nausea, this partner that I've partnered with is really the top of the line, you guys. They're called Relief Band. Relief Band is the number one FDA cleared anti-nausea wristband that has been clinically proven to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness, anxiety, migraines, morning sickness, and so much more. Now you can also use your HSA and FSA dollars to get a relief band, hello. So if you just got those accounts refilled, put that money to good use and fix your nausea problems for good. Whether you need everyday nausea relief or just an occasional cure from nausea, their patented technologies makes feeling sick a thing of the past. Praise God, okay? Forget the days of nausea pills that make you groggy and exhausted. It's like the name says, Relief Band is legitimately a... So let's shift the conversation into modesty, shall I'm we? so excited. Because we, you know, we want to start like, hey, women, it is not your priority to mitigate a man's lust with your clothing, okay? However, there is a way to dress wisely that I believe is kind to men that is also respectful to yourself and honoring to God. And so the question we want to answer here is modest really hottest? Okay, where does this all leave us with modesty? And is there a place to teach modesty in a biblical and healthy way? Or do we just have to throw that word out entirely because it brings a lot of us so much trauma and triggers us back into really weird days of youth group, right? I mean, we all remember, if you grew up in purity culture, you remember oversized t-shirts. Oh my gosh, I remember going to church camp and I wore a tankini, but just like a little half an inch of my midriff was showing and they were like you can't show that right what's a tankini tankini is that like a spaghetti strap is a spaghetti strap. it's like a one piece but the bottom and the top are separated oh ba- like a bathing suit it's a bathing suit yeah oh but it's not a one piece it's not a one piece it's separated but like it basically covers your full stomach uh, so you get like flexibility so you're not like i hated one pieces because i hated taking the whole thing off when you went to the bathroom uh, so i wanted okay. a bottom so it's like a practical one piece it's kind of is but like i went to this youth group like i went to this myrtle beach missions on the beach right okay and you know we had to wear the one pieces well i wore a tankini and a little tiny 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 bit of my midriff was showing and I got so judged. I was so judged. Like they were, they kept checking me, like, you need to pull that down. And I was like, oh my goodness. Like literally just this much, like a little half inch to an inch of my midriff. And that's where, okay, that is, that's wrong. And it also kept saying, like, hey, like, you know, guys are going to stumble. But what it's also saying, I'm sorry, but this often happens. It's not even just for the boys there, it's for the male leaders of these youth groups who are seeing these young girls and are tempted. And I'm like, like if you're a male leader of yeah. these youth events and you're tempted by young girls, you shouldn't be a leader I know. of young girls of young girls at all. Yeah, it's like <laughs> that gets me fired up. It's like if <laughs> if you had a tendency and a struggle with alcohol, like 
you should not be working at events where you there's be alcohol, a right? Like, <laughs> it, and that one is so like bizarre in the sense of I I do think that the church has been kind of relaxed in that department. Mm-hmm. Like, there should be no margin for error. Like, he is a man. He is a human. He is broken. Yes, but like, guys, let's let's be like, what are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing? But anyway, I, I do think that does exist. It's kind of obviously hard to catch. Like, mm. he probably feels so much shame that he can't even talk about that. So he gets No, it's stuck. not hard to catch. Like, you can catch it. Like, if a man, if a male leader is like, oh, like, I can't see those young girls and we have to have them cover up. Like, that's a problem. Like, because it's very clear. If it's for him, then yes. 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 So, but I, what I love about this is basically the question is, can we teach modesty well? Yes. After debunk- debunking it. So let's talk first about unhealthy modesty teachings and then how we can talk about it healthily in a biblical way. Um, you know, for the ladies listening, we have been indoctrinated since a young age uh, with a hypersexualization of girls and women. We really have. I love Disney, but as a little girl, you know, watched all the Disney movies and saw the Disney princesses and saw their sparkling long hair and their perfect eyes. And they were all slim, like these ridiculous waist size. Then we had Barbie. I have Barbie. Okay. And like the, her waist, it's insane, you guys. So these unrealistic beauty standards have been perpetuated for girls at a very young age. And you know, mix that then with our youth group message that perpetuates girls to wear the baggy clothes and cover up. It really, really, really gives women the sense of there is like an unhealthy beauty standard. And not only that, you probably will never look like that. And also you need to cover everything up. It's very confusing. There's a lot going on for girls. And so we are doing another episode where, you know, we talk through the fact that 90% of women struggle with body image and body shame, 90% of women. And within one minute or a few minutes, I forget the exact stat, but a girl or a woman has a negative thought about her body or about herself just about every minute. It's really, really, really sad. Okay, how much this is indoctrinated into women's brains. Now, men struggle with body image too, but statistically, it is less than for women. And so, if our modesty messaging is having the motivation of mitigating male lust primarily, this is what we've seen and doing some research. This is what typically happens in women um, once they grow up. It can make girls and then women believe that their bodies are defined by sexual parts. It can make women actually completely shut down to their sexual desire. Because guess what? There's no room for them to have sexual desire. The guys are the only one with sexual desire. The girls, you can't have sexual desire. That's only a guy thing. Guys are driven and wired that way. You're not, which is very unfortunate because it's not how God designed us. And it leads to women having low satisfaction sexually when they do enter into marriage. It can also make women feel completely disconnected from their bodies, from an emotional, physical, and spiritual point of view. I already said it, but it can lead to women being less likely to orgasm and have sexual satisfaction in marriage. And unfortunately, this is the worst one. It can lead women to blame themselves for encounters where men with men where lines were crossed. And that's my story, and I've shared it before, but 
because this messaging was so prominent in my life at a younger, in my teenage years, later down the line, I was raped by a man I knew, which by the way, it's statistically proven that most cases of rape do happen from somebody you know. It can happen with strangers, but it usually happens from people that you know. And so that happened to me. I was raped by somebody that I knew. And immediately my first reaction was, this is my fault because of what I was wearing, because I must have been too flirty. I must have been too nice. And I wasn't even really flirting with him at all. This was somebody who I never saw in a romantic way. I was just being kind. I was just hanging out with this person. I can't go into too many of the details, but um, I truly, because of this modesty messaging, it made me feel that it's completely my fault because women are told, girls are told from a young age, hey, it's if a man crosses boundaries, it's your fault. And that just is so wrong because I carried that shame for years and years and years on end. And that ate away at me in so many ways. And that is what can happen when we continue to perpetuate this narrative of women. It's your fault if a guy struggles. It's your fault if he crosses boundaries. We can't, that can't be the narrative. Okay, so where is the line and how can we talk about this in like a healthy way? Like, should we just have this chaotic free-for-all and everyone just wears what they want all the time? What do you think? <laughs> I don't think so, right? I mean, I think that's my favorite response because logically, if you're like, all right, no modesty <laughs> or you're not thinking about the other person. Let's all wear bikinis all the time. <laughs> well, it's kind of a scary thought. Let's be honest. <laughs> it's yeah. like, well, there's no standard. Like, you can't dress for other people. You just do what you feel you comfortable. You do you and you wear anything you want. I know. We're like, whoa, 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 time out. <laughs> That wait, doesn't sound like a very wait, good wait, idea wait, either. Wait, like wait, it's wait. totally up to you and your personal conviction and interpretation. I'm like, okay, uh, let's talk about that. Right. right. So let's propose another solution. Let, like that's not what we're saying either. I, I'm not saying like wear a bathing suit to church. I'm not saying wear a thong bikini. I'm not saying any of that. That's there is like it's not one pendulum swing to the other. It's we got to find the middle ground and we have to look at what the Bible really says. And, and that's where we start. It's like, okay, once we bust up like some human paradigm here, where do we go? Well, let's yeah. start at scripture. Yeah. You know, as believers, we all represent something. And specifically as believers, we are to represent Jesus. And when we think about Jesus and the life that he led, he didn't actually give us a checklist for modesty. And, you know, it's not like he said, don't wear bathing suits, right? Um, and so, but that's like kind of what it is in our modern day. I mean, hey, think back to Jesus's time. What did women really wear back then, y'all? Can we think about even to over 100 years ago what they actually wore? I mean, it's wild to think about how what we wear now culturally compared to what they used to wear and what was appropriate. So culturally, a lot has changed as well. So I'm going to quote Felicia Masonheimer and some of her teachings here. She is amazing, and I'm hoping to be able to connect with her So because I, just, I think she's phenomenal, phenomenal Bible teacher. Um, so some of what I'm about to say is stuff that I have found through Felicia. So all credit to her. So when we look at the New Testament, the Pharisees became so encompassed with the law, right? They became so encompassed with it and with all of the rules that they forgot 
who the words came from and what they were really meant for. When Jesus entered the scene, his work really reinstated the spirit of the law. And what that did was it revealed that grace is the ultimate motivation for obedience. Grace is the ultimate motivation for obedience. What grace does not mean is it does not mean an absence of the law. It doesn't mean there is no law, okay? It doesn't mean just forego it entirely. It means that grace is the motivation for obedience. Felicia says this, being a woman under grace gives me a freedom, a freedom to choose. I now have the freedom to choose to represent holy behavior or to choose to live below my calling. This applies to my gossip habit, to my closet, and to any temptation before me and before you. Just because I am saved by grace does not remove the responsibility of honor from my name as a woman of God. And dressing modestly is a part of that. I think that is so beautiful and empowering. Um, What she's saying ultimately here is that modesty equals humility. And I want to break that down a little bit more via scripture. Do you want me to go into it, babe, or do you want to? You got it. Okay, cool. So let's look at 1 Peter 3, 3 through 4, which says, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is in God's sight very precious. So here in this passage, 1 Peter 3, 3 through 4, an external adorning actually refers culturally in the time to social or financial immodesty. So the reality is actually women at the time were, could be, and had a tendency sometimes to be showy and flashy and fashionable with some of their dress choices. It didn't actually mean they were showing a lot of skin. It was actually saying, hey, you're going around showing all your Gucci labels and all the things, and you're like all up in people's business and being really, really, really flashy. And, you know, what, though I want to make a caveat because I am very into fashion, Peter does not forbid being fashionable. He's not saying dress crunchy granola and just dress in a burlap sack all day long. He's not saying that either. He is saying, do not let your adornment be merely external. Okay, don't let it be mainly external. Don't let that be your main focus. Peter directs women away from hyper-focusing on what is fashionable and what is flashy and showy, and instead focus, he encourages them to focus on the hidden person of the heart, the hidden person of the heart. You know, it's interesting if you look at the Proverbs 31 woman, she actually wears bright, beautiful clothing. Okay. So it's not to say we can't be fashionable. We can't have good fashion sense. It's to really, it's that this has to come from a humility in the heart that really the way we dress needs to reflect an internal reflection of God's grace and God's love and humility. In Romans 15, it says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. 
So for context here, the weaker person, okay, we have obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. This is where often people point to, okay, well, women, you need to then mitigate lust for your brother because they are the weaker one. First of all, I don't believe that men are necessarily the weaker one. Again, it's dehumanizing to just say, men, you are naturally the weaker one. I don't think that needs to be the conversation. But what this contextually actually means here is the weaker person actually refers to whoever is less spiritually mature. So it could be a man, could be a woman. It's not just a man that is less spiritually mature, okay? So if a man who is a strong Christian, strong Christian, I'm talking strong Christian here, if he sees a woman and he is drawn to lust, he is responsible to, as Matthew 5 says, cut out his own eye. (laughs) What he is not to do is to blame the woman. Right. Well, this is a big deal. Yes. It's a big deal because it's saying if you are a man and if you are strong, as in mature in your faith, you have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. So say you do have, and what I would say is a spiritually immature woman who is putting way too much weight in her external appearance and looking for way too much validation in the way that she dresses or expose parts of her body. And he's saying you actually have a obligation to yourself to bear with her failings and to not please yourself. Right. That's right, a massive deal. And he's and the degree to which we're supposed to take that ownership word we, we talked about is from Jesus who, himself who said, hey, if you're struggling with this, you want to know how much ownership and to what length you should take this on? If your eyes is is causing you to sin, yes, gouge it out. Mm-hmm. If your hand is causing you to sin, chop it off. You want to know to what degree you're called to take ownership of the sin and your life and your tendency, the severity. Yes. Cut out your eye. Yeah. Chop off your hand. That is how big of a deal it is for for you to take ownership. And this is vice versa. This is gender neutral. Yes. Women, same thing, right? If you are spiritually more mature in this sense, Mm -hmm. where can you take as much ownership to bear this man's failings? Yes. Right, to step up and take ownership. Yes. Which is, it is amazing that that is what the teaching is. It's a way to be considerate of the other person. That's where, when we're talking about modesty, I'm not... Women don't be dressing in a a specific way so that you're mitigating that lust for a man. However, there is a way for you to be kind and considerate in the way you dress in in front of a man, in front of other women. In fact, it could be for any gender, really. I think we like to gender, make it gender specific, but there is a responsibility for us men and women to have a responsibility to dress in a way that is humble and considerate to others. And I, that is humble and considerate to others. That's absolutely. Important. And I think what uh, what I love about this is saying, although that's the goal and where we should, there's going to be people who are failing in this mm. <laughs> really poorly. Some really, really immature people are going to be around you. And in any given room, especially in a church community, you're going to be more mature than some believers there, and you're going to be more immature than other believers there Right. in every context of life. So if you, uh, here's a really good example. A woman who is more well-endowed, maybe she has a bigger backside or she has bigger breasts, okay? Like, 
by nature of her body, she is going to wear pants that probably fit her well. She's not trying to wear pants that are like extra, extra, extra skin tight so everyone looks at her butt. She's just wearing pit, pants that fit her butt, okay? That fa- pants that fit her backside. And it is not her, if somebody looks at her body and is like lusting, that is that person's responsibility to, I have to cut my own eye out because I'm being drawn by her body. But it's not you as the woman responsible because you have curvier features to only wear baggy pants all the time because you can't wear a fitted pair of jeans because that's going to cause too many men to stumble. Right. And more importantly, like we're we're kind of fortunate to talk about in the context of community right now. The second you talk outside a godly community where you have to walk in the world, <laughs> Women and men are not abiding in the same standard. Right. So you, you're going to have to find a way to live in the world, which is going to be throwing sex at you left and right mm-hmm. everywhere you can imagine. You literally watch c- commercials on TV and you're bombarded by, you know, a sexualized commercial. Like you are going to have to be responsible in this department whether you like it or not. Yeah, for the men. I mean, here's another thing and we'll talk about in just a second, but also so much of dress is contextual. Like it is actually really normal in some places in Europe for girls to literally not wear bikini tops on the beach, okay? And that is culturally appropriate in actually many places, which in America, we're like, what? That's wild. But if you go to Europe, it's completely normal for women and for guys to wear itty bitty speedos. When I was 10 years old, we, my mom's from Norway. This is like Scandinavia at its finest. You walk down the beach and all of a sudden you're like, what is going on? And there's plenty of women who are tanning topless and it's just culturally very, very normal. It's just very normal. And so you, <laughs> we have to be able to under, live within the culture as well. Okay. And, and one thing that I, I don't want to go too much in the nuance of it, but one thing that people are like, you know, say a lot about is like yoga pants or like tight fitting, like, uh, yeah, yoga pants or leggings or whatever. And it's like, well, Leggings are a challenge for people of older generation. Leggings are not a challenge for people of Gen Z or millennials because we grew up with leggings and especially Gen Zers. Gen Z boys aren't just looking at the girls with leggings and being like, oh, wow, because they've seen it their whole life. Who's struggling with it are the are the um, the the baby boomers and all of the older people because they're bump. like boomers because they're like, <laughs> I've never seen leggings. Oh, my goodness. So are we to say like, oh, baby boomers, oh, you have to like shield your eyes from almost every female woman uh-huh. who wears leggings and yoga pants. I mean, admittedly, I wear those like every day. You can't even go out in public now because every girl is now wearing yoga pants. It, yeah. That's not the appropriate thing. It's like, men, you're going to have to figure out a way. I know this is different and that's not what you used to see, but culturally leggings are appropriate now. They're culturally appropriate. And so you're going to have to adapt in some way. <laughs> I, I think the point here is that if you're going to fight a battle yes. on this conversation with modesty and lust, you should focus a thousand percent of your resource on your personal self-control. Yes. Because if you're trying to go out and change culture and a cultural <laughs> dress code, good luck. Because right. that's going to continue Yes. To devolve and evolve and change with the day, the temperature, the season. All the time. Like your resource and your time 
should be a thousand percent devoted to your self-control and ability to regulate and put yourself in situations where you could succeed and have wisdom and discretion that walking down a nude beach is probably not a good idea for me. (laughs) If I, regardless of what stage I'm in, I just don't think that's a good idea for me. Yeah, I love the female body, but I don't want to see everyone's boobs. And that's not because I'm lusting by it. I just... I, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to see everyone. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I, even for me, I, I don't want to go on a topless beach because I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to see everyone's boobs. Let's but, bring it back home. Yeah. So what I want to say is, however, again, there is still a place for modesty and modesty is more of position of the heart. It's less of a set of rules. And it really comes from, like we said, that verse in Peter, the spirit of the heart. Modesty is not merely an external thing. It's internal. That's why each individual person, when you are choosing to wear something, women, what is your motivation for wearing that thing? Exactly. This is really important because i am been the girl that I have chosen that thing, that thing that's like just a little extra flirty or a little extra. Why? Because I wanted the validation because I wanted to be looked at. And so that is where it's a spirit of the heart. If I'm wearing something fitted pants and I just like, I feel good in these pants and I love this outfit, but I'm not wearing this to get validation from anybody that only I know the spirit of my heart in that. Right? Yeah. And let me just say this. I think the what you see on the outside and then the representation mm. and you can kind of start to see the desire for validation and the needs and the maybe immaturity in the yes. way that someone dresses is a total representation of the heart yes right a right. humble a kind a gentle heart that is secure in christ i think the dress code and what you'll see on the outside should be a total representation of that yeah and if your heart's in the right place, I doubt the last thing that you're going to want to do is walk around in something well, that is completely inviting external some, validation. Right. Right. So questions to consider um, when you are dressing, okay? When you're choosing what to wear, what goes into your decisions? Uh, do you think about how others are going to validate you in that outfit? Like, what are you seeking by choosing that outfit? Do you think about how you're honoring yourself? Do you think about how you're honoring God? Like if I'm choosing to wear something super low cut, for me, it's a, I have to think like, is this honoring to me? Like I'm going to, I want to show only my husband this amount of my body. And if other people are going to see something so, so, so deeply low cut, like, does that really honor my husband? Does that really honor me? I'm not thinking like, oh, am I mitigating somebody's lust right now? It's, is this really honoring to me? Well, and more importantly, that delight of that body Mm -hmm. and the design of it was only intended for one person. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I, And some other questions. Are you ever dressing in a way to draw attention? And what are your internal belief systems around all of this? And how are they shaping how you're showing up and dressing in the world? You know, I think there's such a balance here, right? Because it's like, yes, like really analyze what you're dressing. And if you're somebody listening that is that is like, well, gosh, I I just have a curvier body or I'm more well endowed in certain areas. And like, no matter what I wear, people are telling me it's inappropriate. And it's like, that's not, that's not on you. That's not on you. If, yeah. if, if people are looking at you again, that goes back to what I was saying. And that's not like, I don't believe that just because you're well endowed, you need to wear baggy things for the rest of your life. I think that's awful. That's yeah. such an awful thing. But I, but it comes back to like, Hey, am I wearing something 
what what is the intention behind what I'm wearing? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then for the men, I would just ask, like, to what degree are you exercising self-control mm-hmm. and guarding your eyes? Like, to what degree? Here's worst case scenario. The whole world decides for dress code for women. <laughs> We're going to go to string, bikinis, and thongs for everyday dress. Right. Like, let's just totally flip-flop the whole entire dress code and say, worst case scenario, it is just craziness out there. <laughs> are are you strong enough that you can keep your eyes on eye level <laughs> and maintain conversation and focus? Are you aware enough that you catch a, a beautiful woman that are you are you even aware when are you, you double take? Triple taking, right? Are you yeah. are you catching yourself as Holy Spirit evident enough in your life, interwoven with your thought and your evaluation that, oh, okay, yeah, hey. Hey, and when I do catch myself, hey, I'm just, you know what? I'm going to repent real quick. Jesus, thank you so much that your grace covers me, that even though I have this sexual desire that can tend to get out of control, that you still offer self-control. And in surrendering to you, I can't exercise self-control. Thank you so much that I don't have to live with the guilt of messing up even just now. And even though I did commit even adultery in my heart, that you still love me, that you still cover me, and that your grace is sufficient for me Mm -hmm. so that next time I don't have to rely on my own self-control to guard myself, but I can rely on something so much stronger. Because even though that this is my weakness, you compensate me in my weakness. I thank you so, so much that you are sufficient in my weakness. So therefore, I'm going to boast all the more in my weakness because that's where you're most infinite Mm. and impactful in my life. It's good, baby. There's a lot to say in this episode, you guys, and and I really hope you followed and tracked with us um, that we, we here's something that JJ always says to me. I love this. Do you want to be right or do you want to be successful? We don't want to be right here. We want to be successful in these conversations. We want to open up a dialogue for both sides. And our ultimate goal is unity and healing for both sides. Our goal is not to bash men or make men feel awful. Our goal is not to definitely not to add more shame to women. It's also not to just like have everything be a free fall and more confusion. We really want to bring unity here. Um, And we want to create a place where we're hopeful that somebody who completely disagrees with us could actually listen to this podcast and be like, wow, like, I don't feel like they're attacking me. I don't feel like I feel like they're really trying to be humble and seek God's word on this. And I'm I'm open to listening to that versus us being like, meh, 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 meh. you know, that's not where our desire is. Kate saves that for outside the podcast. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, exactly. The most loving thing we can do is call out a lie, you know, something that's just devolved into man teaching mm-hmm. and then get back. Okay. What if we could actually teach modesty well, according to God's word Yes, and unite everyone. And the most loving thing we could do for men and the most loving thing we could do for women is to call them higher. Yeah. Call them into their purpose. Call them into the men and women God intended you to be. Yeah. That is the most yeah. loving thing we could do. Yeah. So we love you guys. We do love you guys. We are so grateful for this community. And our last thing is if any of this series or this episode is touching you or helped you in any way, will you let us know by messaging us on Instagram or emailing us like wherever, or again, writing a review. We just, we do really, it does encourage us because we want to keep doing these things for you guys. And we want to keep having these conversations and we'd love to hear what it did for you in your life. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks, y'all. And we'll see you next week. Love you guys. Thank you. 
The Heart of Dating podcast is created by Kate Warman. It is a part of the Converge Podcast Network. Our incredible editor is the one and only Scott Caro. Our theme music was developed by the amazing Christian Ledoux. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, or if you've never written us a review or ranked us on iTunes, we'd encourage you to do so because it helps us so much to get this podcast into more people's ears. We launch our podcast each and every week on Wednesday. So we'll see you next week. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network. 